0: It's easy to miss when someone comes out of nowhere and gives you a shot that you absolutely have no business taking. But what you need to do is absolutely, and you need to go read the 10 books, find the 50 mentors, watch whatever YouTube videos you need to watch or TikTok or whatever it is, and go figure out how to crush it. Because if you do, it changes the trajectory of your entire life.
1: Good. All right. So I'm here with TK Cater, the founder of Unstoppable. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for coming. I realized like I was just kind of a stranger out of the blue uh, reaching out to you a couple <laughs> months ago to try to book this, but you were very gracious to say yes and yeah. appreciate you taking a leap of faith
0: with me. Well, you are also right here in Dallas and I like the energy. So, and I love the space. So yeah. it's, it's really good well, to be here. Well, I positioned it pretty well, right? Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Like I tried to do everything
1: I could because I you came on my radar. I think I was telling you, I don't know if it was LinkedIn where I initially saw you, but somehow I found my uh, way over to your YouTube channel, yeah. which is incredible. Um, TK Cater. Is that what they, anybody that wants to look Look it up. Is yeah, it just T-K-K-A-T-R. T-K and then K-A-D-E-R. Yeah. Um, but your YouTube channel is, is outstanding. So I do want to spend some time talking about that. But before we go into all that and what you do today, what I, we were briefly talking off camera about some of your backstory, your history. Uh, could you kind of take me back to early life? Like, who are you? What yeah. do you do? And how did you get here to this couch today wearing some killer Cowboy, cowboy Boots. boots. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, everything before that. Let's
0: <laughs> catch me up to well, speed. Well, I, I didn't start with Cowboy Boots. Okay. I was born in Bangladesh, okay. uh, which is a country right outside of India. And uh, I stayed there until I was 10 years old, and then I moved and immigrated to the U.S. And I spent my childhood in, in New York City, grew up there. Uh, I did my first SaaS company uh, in college we got acquired right as soon as we were graduating that was upstate New York where there was no funding you didn't know anything about silicon valley but we got acquired by a company in silicon valley so
1: well gra- so you so i want to i want to make sure we don't gloss over that you started a company yeah. in college and were able to be acquired prior to even exiting yeah, school so that's right. what did this what did this company do
0: uh, so it was called my pimp P I M P. Okay, we were a bunch of nerds. R P I, where I went to school, had seventy five percent men, so there was okay. literally nothing going on. Okay. P I M P stood for Personal Information Management Portal, okay. so, so we were nerds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: At first, I'm like, "What is this PIM platform?" But okay, all right.
0: yeah. Uh, so it was an online calendar. Okay. And this was like 2005, before online calendars were a thing, and we you could go in and you could manage all your calendar online. You could subscribe to the fraternity we were in a fraternity the fraternity's calendar so that would come in and it would text you reminding you where you needed to be for classes and everything
1: brilliant so how did this uh idea come to fruition we
0: just needed it you know we were just bad and remember this was at this time you had outlook calendar Mm -hmm. and that's it there was no web-based calendar at all this was 2005 so we were one of the first ones before even google calendar came out so we were one of the first ones that built that out of our college, out of our fraternity house, we we launched it. Well,
1: I love that because I, I mean I've, I've yeah you know, probably interviewed two dozen entrepreneurs on this show, whether they're in insurance or not. But one of the most common characteristics I've discovered is like they're literally solving their own problems, usually initially, and yeah. discover there's a market for that problem. So how did how did you get on the radar of somebody to potentially acquire you later on?
0: Uh, honestly, so I had I had other co-founders. We were all working together. Uh, we sold textbooks to pay for the servers and like classic story nice nice and we were doing everything we could to just get our name out there and it just kind of blew up to thousands of users just naturally through colleges it was pretty amazing and one of our co-founders garrett heaton commented on some blog post about calendars and web 2.0 and a founder of the company in silicon valley saw it and they're like oh these guys are amazing mm-hmm. and they reached out and so i remember senior week when you're supposed to be partying uh, we were flying to california Uh, When everyone's trying to figure out like, okay, what job am I going to take? And most of our our RPI went to GE or IBM. Uh, We were flying to California and they're like, look guys, we'll buy the company. We'll give you jobs. You're going to move over here. You're going to work on stuff. Mm. And we'll just show you where you can get a house with five bedrooms and just hang out there and, and we were like, "What is going yeah. on?" Well, that what is that? It, what is the
1: show where there's the guy, the guys that are in like the it's Silicon Valley, literally the show. Yeah. That reminds me exactly what you're talking about. So, did all that come to fruition, like culmination? Exactly the exact, they laid out? Okay.
0: exactly like that. And that's after New York, I then moved to California and okay. uh, started working there. Um,
1: I, I have to ask you though, like, did your technology serve as a foundation for the you think for these other? you know, common calendar apps that we're using. Do you think a lot of that sort of transpired and found its way into other tools as
0: well? Yeah, you know, like Google wasn't the first search engine. Facebook wasn't the first social network. And so one of the things you learn is pioneers have arrows on their backs. if you're the absolute first at something, chances are you're not going to be the best. Mm. Uh, And that's uh, one of the career lessons you learn in business. Um, If you're a pioneer, you have to work extra hard to sustain. And so a lot of the ideas we had around text notifications or push notifications. This wasn't a thing yet on, a, on an iPhone because iPhone didn't exist. But a, an event is coming up. How do we notify you on your mobile phone? These are all true in applications today and you take for granted. And We were playing around at the very early stages of that. We were just very lucky to even be part of that era where the web was starting to come online. So sure. really when cool. I
1: don't, I don't want to belabor this too much because we have a lot to cover. But I mean, did you did you realize what you were kind of on to um, when you sold? Do you, if you were to look back, do you think you got the deal you probably should have gotten in, from that acquisition? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: I don't believe in regrets okay. in, in any yeah. way because regret is, is a flawed concept. If you think about it, like if you're truly happy with re- what you're doing now, having regret like I wish I did this one thing yeah. different would completely change your trajectory where you are now. Totally. Even by changing one variable and so we were we were a bunch of kids in upstate New York where startups weren't a thing Silicon Valley we didn't even know about and out of nowhere we got flown into Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and we we were graduating the university president calls call we were not the most stellar students by any means <laughs> and she's announcing the valedictorian the salutatorian and also five of us that sold the company by building an Air RPI and we were like oh sweet thank god that's like nice. our parents were like that's you guys i'm like i know this is great yeah i know we made yes yeah, so no, like it was amazing it, cool. it was incredible and then we discovered silicon valley and we think about my fr- so my other my other co-founder Pete Curley was my freshman year college roommate and we're still best friends to today and you know we talk about it all the time it's like thank god we discovered all that like you just don't know what leads to what who you mean totally. and how it works and so we discovered silicon valley and we spent a decade in silicon valley mm-hmm. after that uh building companies uh so it was it was amazing. Well, did you, did you think of yourself t- as
1: being an entrepreneur at that point? Or did you intend to be an entrepreneur your whole career? Or did yeah. it just happen to be what happened to you as a result of some good work?
0: You know, so it was like, you know, we're filming this. It's 2022. Mm-hmm. And the word and feeling of entrepreneur has a very different feeling than 2005. Okay. Right? Like today, like everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone's a creator. And I think that's so amazing and it's so cool. But you also know there are people that are truly entrepreneurs and that, There are some people that are like kind of faking it because it's so much in, it's cool and it's a in Mm. vogue to be an entrepreneur. Everyone's the CEO. I'm a little bit more old school. Uh, My rule is until you're 15 employees, there is nothing to chiefly execute over. (laughs) You're you're, you're just a dude. You're (laughs) just a dude. Yeah. Uh, And so back then we didn't think of it as we want to be entrepreneurs. We were more like, okay, jp morgan really wants us ge really wants us goldman sachs really wants us those are the default but we really want to go build something and that's all we care we like wanted to build something Mm -hmm. and i think that's what we looked at it as not that this cool hat of entrepreneur and i'm so cool it's more like let's go build stuff and truly actual entrepreneurship building is boring. Like it's a lot of boring yeah. hard work. Yeah. <laughs> uh and so that's what we wanted to be. That's what really drove us. And so when that company acquired us. They were like, "Cool, we're going to take what you build. We're, you're going to build it under our platform. We're going to go much bigger." This is how many users we have. We're like, "Oh my god, we get to impact this many more." people. Yeah, that's cool. Let's go do that. That's what we were driven by. Very cool.
1: So, how did that? So now we'll kind of move forward in the timeline too, because I want to hear about yeah. you know, how you got to Texas and all that stuff. But so, so now you're working for that company. You said you worked in Silicon Valley for about ten years. Yeah. What What were we doing during that decade? Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So moved there 2006. Hated it. You did? I absolutely hated Silicon Valley. Huh. Um, in 2006, Silicon Valley was really more around Mountain View, Menlo Park, so it's more the suburbs. Uh, San Francisco wasn't really a thing at that time. Okay. And so I'm a city kid going into Silicon Valley. and So I spent a year and a half, made sure the acquisition was successful, everyone was happy. That company got was getting, like, acquired, so we were, like, good there. So we got acquired, and then that company was getting acquired. And so uh, I got recruited out of there, and I went back east, and I joined a hedge fund. Oh, really? Uh, Okay. Yeah, so I worked at Bridgewater, uh, which was uh, uh, Ray Dalio's fund. So I worked over there, best hedge fund in the world. Uh, And I didn't know anything about hedge funds, but I was like, yeah, sounds great. And my 20s was all about just say yes to crazy opportunities Mm -hmm. so you can learn. Um, And so... I only spent a year and a half in silicon valley and then went to bridgewater after that so i I say
1: that what you just said is a very important lesson and i've started to discover that later in life too it's like if somebody offers you something and it's an exciting opportunity or it's really going to stretch you and make you grow you say yes to it and then figure it out. You don't go, oh, I don't know if I can do this or I'm imposter syndrome or why me or that insecurity that we all kind of feel sometimes. It's like, if that person sees in you enough to say yes, to, to offer that job, say yes and then figure it out because this is an immense opportunity. So I'm glad you, you mentioned that because that perspective is super useful. Getting people outside of their comfort zone and helping them grow. 100%, cool. I feel yeah.
0: like it's so easy to get obsessed about all the opportunities that you get said no to because everyone's just like trying, 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 Mm -hmm. and you're saying, no, maybe you don't even try again. It's easy to miss when someone comes out of nowhere and gives you a shot that you absolutely have no business taking. But what you need to do is absolutely, and you need to go read the 10 books, find the 50 mentors, watch whatever YouTube videos you Mm -hmm. need to watch, or TikTok, or whatever it is, and go figure out how to crush it. Because if you do, it changes the trajectory of your entire life. Totally. Those are the little opportunities that really make a big difference.
1: So you had this opportunity, so you entered in the hedge fund world. What were you doing?
0: Uh, I was building trading systems for Bridgewater. Bridgewater managed about $180 billion, and there were about seven developers that built their trading systems for the trading group, and so uh, I was one of them. Uh, and we Amazing. rebuilt the trading systems. You know, Ray Dalio is all about, he's much more popular now uh, with his book Principles. He's mm-hmm. about principle thinking, first principles thinking. Back in 2007, 2008, when I was there, uh, one no one knew about principles. That book was actually just the internal employee handbook.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So we
0: got the type printed version of it and that was, you had to carry it with you everywhere and I have handwritten notes on it and you had to follow the principles. Wow. Uh, and so you learned how to think in first principles and also the time I was there was during the great financial crisis. And so uh, incredible time to just learn. And I learned how to think over there. And, uh, so I spent about three and a half years there. Um, living in Connecticut, uh, working at Bridgewater. And then I was like, you know, I think I wanna get back to building. And so that's when I started my own company again Move back to Silicon Valley. Was that Tout? tout? That was Tout app. Okay, yeah. yeah. So
1: so that was the one that popped on my radar. I, I do my research yeah. beforehand and try to go, all right, what can I glean from career and articles and things like that? And the Tout app seemed to be, you know, I, did, I actually didn't know about that original one that you did in college, but the Tout app one was the one that seemed to have the most publicity around yeah. it. So what yeah. were you guys doing? And can I kind of talk me through the culmination of that acquisition as well?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So moved back to San, uh, San Francisco. At that point, San Francisco was a thing. So I loved the city. So moved over there. and. Uh, I had started a company called ToutApp and ToutApp had a very simple idea. It was software for salespeople, which now today salespeople, or, yeah. Yeah, salespeople have like 59 pieces of different pieces of software. But back when we started, everyone was building software for marketing. But salespeople were just left with a really crappy CRM and nothing else. Okay. And what we found was more and more sales was happening over email over zoom calls over calling versus showing up in person inside sales was Mm -hmm. becoming bigger than ever which now is like default sales yeah i know yeah Uh, but back then like 20 this was 2010 and so we built software we found that in order for you to take a cold prospect and turn that into a real opportunity it takes seven to ten touches and seven to ten touches happens over email over phone over social and salespeople were literally trying to keep track of that or on, on a spreadsheet or on a notebook and trying to follow up, but they never did. Mm-hmm. So we built software that said, cool, give us a lead or a target, and we'll make sure we follow up with them automatically for you. And when they engage, when they view the email, click on the email, we'll tell you right away. Okay. And so we built that. Uh, I started as a solo founder this time around, and it was 2010, 2011 in Sil- Silicon Valley, back again. And that's the company that we grew out uh built out we were backed by andreessen horowitz which is one of the best vc firms in the world uh and we started the sales engagement category which now is very popular with companies like outreach and sales loft so we were the pioneers in that category and uh we ended up selling the company to marketo which was a marketing automation leader um there's a lot to that story, but that's yeah, the no, highlight. no that's
1: be no, and it's just it's you know i i li- I talk to people and they've built one business and, and successfully right, and you're just like in in sort of an awe like you're going through a laundry list of steps and you know and obviously we'll talk about unstoppable now but it seems like you just have a very consistent track record of identifying a problem, developing it and and th- there's a broader marketplace need for that. Do you do you know do you have any suspicions as to why you have a knack for sort of identifying <laughs> problems to solve so successfully? Uh yeah. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> luck, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Maybe, maybe you're, you're underplaying your ability to discern, but it seems yeah. like you, you, you know, some people have seven misses before they get a uh, well, win. Right. I'll
0: tell you this, the, the, the thing that's there, I have thought about this. I'm like, well, how do I come up with the idea that I want to pursue? So we had tout app, then I worked at Marketo. Thankfully, Marketo got acquired. We sold Marketo to Adobe. Uh, so far, every company that's bought one of my companies then got acquired. So uh, for larger and larger amounts, which is great. <laughs> uh, and then now, unstoppable. The common theme across all these companies, and really the common theme for most of my working life, it's all been about one problem. Uh, and, and, and by the way, like just to be clear, this wasn't something where t- 10, 15 years ago, Baby TK said, "Ah, this is the problem. I'm going to go solve, mu- build multiple companies around this." You can. It's like as Steve Jobs said, "You can only connect the dots looking back." Mm. So, looking back, the one common problem that I've solved for, and I continue to solve for across all my companies, is pipeline. Pipeline. Everybody, okay. everybody, everyone, every business owner, whether wh- no matter what industry you're in, no matter what category you're in, if you go to them and say, "Hey, would you like more pipeline?" They'd be like, "Yes, please." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every sales leader, it's like, "Hey, what's your pipeline coverage?" And if they're like at three x, I'm like, "Well, if I could make it five x pipeline coverage, if I give you five x." The, mo- the number you need to hit, mm-hmm. would you like that? They're like, yes. You're selling insurance policies to everyone, and everyone wants insurance on mm-hmm. their pipeline. And so, TowDapp helped you. TowDapp was at a time when it was really hard to get attention on the internet. Yeah. So, you had to find a way to email these people and cold call these people because just writing a blog post wasn't enough. That's what Marketo was all about. That's why they bought us. Um, Um, as we sold into uh, Adobe, Adobe even realized, well, we need better ways of marketing because companies want more pipeline, B 2 b companies. That's why Adobe bought Marketo. Um, Even with Unstoppable, and we'll talk about that, ultimately CEOs of companies want more pipeline. Totally. And I've found that as long as that's been my theme but it wasn't by design I think somehow I just in, ended up being the guy that like oh, people want more pipeline and I keep thinking of new ways you can generate pipeline so I'm gonna keep doing it I know TK he's
1: the pipeline guy right <laughs> yeah that's him well so so now we I want to flash forward into unstoppable and this will probably go into phase two of our podcast and spend a bulk of the time of what you're doing today um, but once once that acquisition happened did you stick around for a period of time with Marketo before Adobe acquired them or was there so like an earnout of any kind or
0: yeah yeah. So after we sold out app to marketo uh i told the ceo who was my boss uh he was like hey i was like hey listen this has been kind of rough i want to take a month off he's like what are you talking about we need you (laughs) (laughs) so they added me to the executive team Uh, i was svp of strategy um and the svp of strategy is one of those roles where you give someone so that you can deploy them to any problem that exists i see and so uh High-level I stayed the entire two years and then I was part of the team executive team that sold it to Adobe the medium level is uh, I ended up running uh, Europe I had to go into Europe become the managing director there uh, reboot that region hiring a new leader Uh, And this got convinced to me by the COO like we were at some offside. He's like, can you come with me? And I'm like, oh god, I must be in trouble. He's like, listen, uh, there's zero career downside. We need you to go move to London. We'll get you an apartment there. You need to go around Europe. And I'm like, at that time, I think I was 32 or 33, something like that. And I'm like, what? Like, what about my other job? He's like, oh, no, 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 you have to do that too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're just adding a job. We're just adding one more, 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 and and running an entire region. So I did
0: that. Um, Then I come back after Europe. We hire a great leader. Come back after a quarter. I'm having my one-on-one with the CEO. And he kind of leans in. He looks at me. He's like, you don't have to but if you did, it would mean a lot. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then I moved to Australia. <laughs> uh, I rebooted ANZ, our ANZ region. Uh, and that was really like year one while we were running build, rebuilding the strategy of the company. And then year two was about M&A, building up alliances. Um, so we I t- took over the alliances org, uh, learned how to kind of scale that. First time I ever did alliances org. Uh, But that one, you know, I feel like the CEO always had like a way to get me in. He's like, listen, everyone thinks you're smart, but no, (laughs) no one will know for sure until you own a number. Okay. So he gave me a $60 million number to hit for the alliances organization, which had never been done before. Uh, and then we hit it, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, and then we sold the company. So
1: that's when you got your feather and your cap, right? That yeah, you, yeah. Okay, exactly. maybe yeah. you're smart. Like. Okay, yeah. Like you finally <laughs> proved it to us, right? So tell me the the inception of Unstoppable, because I do want to. Like that's what I know you do today. Yeah. The the thing that uh, it seems pretty interesting to me is like. You're more of a face for this now, and this is where your YouTube, uh, you know, strategy comes into to the fray. But like, what is Unstoppable? Why don't we start there? Define what you do today, and then yeah. we'll kind of go expand from yeah, there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this Unstoppable came about, uh, and like after I left Adobe, we sold it, made sure everything was good, uh, I left Adobe, and then I'm like, you you need another thing. And one of the things they don't tell you when you sell companies is, as us as entrepreneurs or just as humans. Every day you wake up and you make your bed you look yourself in the mirror you get ready and you're like, let's go mm-hmm. When you sell a company you sell that purpose also. I see I, they, they, don't, they don't tell you this and yeah, but yeah, So here I was like after a 10-year stint on ToutApp Marketo and i'm like, what do I do now? And so I knew I needed an outlet and so I just started making some videos about hey Like if you're ceo of a company, you might be dealing with these three things uh, maybe this will help you. And I started doing these videos.
1: Was it a business yet at that point, or is just really content you were just trying to get out?
0: Literally, just con- like okay. telling my story, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, I, I'm like, you know, when you're building a company, you also tend to burn out. So just like how you have a strategy for your bi- uh, business, you should have one for your life. So I wrote a book on it and put that out there. And little by little, uh, people just started watching the videos and reading the posts and buying the book. And they started hitting me up like, Hey, can I like hire you? I'm like, what? No, I'm not. No, I'm not for hire. Like, "Okay, Hey, can I like bring you on as a consultant? I'm like, ah, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. But more and more people started to show up and like, and it turns out uh, that as a founder and as a CEO, and right now Unstoppable has clients anywhere from pre-revenue to hundred million revenues. Um, companies go through these different inflection points and mm-hmm. turns out in these different inflection points around pipeline and go-to-market, the CEO and the CXO and the VP of sales is in a dark room alone just Googling stuff about how do I just get more pipeline or how do I increase my win rate or how do I revamp my go-to-market strategy or how do we get acquired? And they're just Googling this stuff. And it turns out that as they're Googling this stuff, they're just binge-watching hours of me uh, talking about it. And we get lots of likes and comments, but we get emails saying, hey, like, how did you know that's exactly what I needed to know about? And I was like, well, that's because I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, I was like, hey, maybe this will help you because I went through this. You eat glass for 10 years straight building these companies. All of a sudden, you know domain knowledge. And am like, oh, my God, that was horrible. I was in a room. Everyone's been there. Like, you've been in a room staring at a spreadsheet, making a tough decision. You don't quite know how. You can't call a board member. Right. It's the incentives are different. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can call a mentor, but that person is so far removed or retired or on the beach. So it's like they don't know. You can't quite call a peer because they their circumstances are different. And so you Google it and you hope that you can piece together the information. That's how Unstoppable was born, because all these people were watching the videos and said, hey, can you like work with us? And so today Unstoppable is a program. That you join. We work with over uh, the YouTube channel has like almost 35,000 subscribers mm-hmm. today, million views, 100,000 hours of watch time. I call it a little big niche. It's like, it, SaaS is a very specific thing. So, even within that, those numbers are really, really fun for us. Uh, but we work with 250 CEOs globally on how to revamp their go to market strategy. Um, and that's what we do at Unstoppable.
1: Well, it's amazing. So what, you know, I was going back to your, the fact that you're kind of the face of this, right? You're the one on camera, you're producing these videos, you're shooting them and things like that. But you were telling me this is effectively is your lead generation as well. Like most of, if almost all of your pipeline has come from an offshoot of, of the videos, correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, think about it. Uh, the bar is so high in SAS, right? In in most things in life, like, for example, working out, you don't want to work with a fat trainer, right? And that's pretty easy to tell. It's like, either the guy is the guy's fit or not? So is he going to train me or not? Mm-hmm. When it comes to business coaches and business consultants, it's really hard to figure out if they're fat or fit, Yeah. right? And so if I were to approach you, you're an SVP of sales, like if I were to approach you and I'm like, hey, do you want more pipeline? I could help you with that. You're like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, but believe me, I get those like automated things. Everyone gets it t- all the time. on yeah,
1: LinkedIn, it's like, yeah, when you need more pipeline, we'll sell you leads. And it's like almost on a daily basis, right? That's right. But your point, how do you actually discern with from the legitimate ones to the, just the, the scam style companies? That's right? right.
0: And so we take an approach of, we have over a hundred episodes on YouTube uh, about how to grow SaaS companies, key problems, key inflection points that you go through. And I just talk about those based on my 15 years of total experience in being in software, 10 years just from the Toutab journey itself. And I just talk about that. And that way, people that are looking watch me and they're like, oh, this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll work with us. And that is also inherently what we teach the companies we work with on their go-to-market Because today, most companies are going out there, they're doing the cold emails, and we basically invented cold emailing. Like cold emailing, sequences, tracking, that was what ToutApp, Yesware, SalesLoft, Outreach, we were the ones that started that. That's table stakes. Everyone's, now everyone knows that's an automated email that you're getting for the seventh Mm -hmm. time. So guess what, in 2010, it was groundbreaking. Today, everyone knows. You tune that, it out almost, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, and you you've kind of touched on something that I've experienced myself now is utilization of content as a lead generation mechanism itself, right? So when somebody sees a podcast or sees a video I make, they see me. So they ultimately go, they make a judgment. Do I like this guy? Does he know what he's talking about or not? And then if over time I build enough rapport and trust through the content that I provide to them, ultimately they'll probably nine times out of 10 proactively come to me engaging about whether or not, you know, we can do business together. That's right. But there's all, there's an element of credibility that comes from that. But also it's like, if your face is on camera and I can see TK talking, I know he knows what he's talking about. I know I can trust him. So when, by the time we actually get engaged, I'm on step three of the sales process at that point. Yeah. And I've seen that happen for me on a micro scale and I can see why it's working for your business as well.
0: On top of that, the best thing about it is, it is an immense competitive advantage. So for you, you are willing to do... This is not easy. None of this is easy. No, YouTube is not easy. Yeah. None yeah. of this yeah. is easy. Yeah. You have to be good at it. You have to know what you're doing. You have to really, really, really care. Mm-hmm. And guess what? 99.9% of your competitors and my competitors would rather just be at the beach. Yeah. They'd rather hire 50 SDRs and have them hit the button to send out a 1,000 cold emails In the meantime, we will grind it out to give value to our potential Mm -hmm. customers, our ideal customers, with a very differentiated message over and over. And if we do that, Guess who's gonna win? And no one can compete with that. And that's where we're entering in this new stage of go-to-market, and that's what really excites me. Yeah, so, so tell me then, let's like, like, like,
1: talk about the actual business itself. You've mentioned about 250 CEOs globally that you work with. All this is coming through sort of lead generation because they've binge-watched your YouTube channel. What does it look like when somebody finally comes to you and says, TK, I wanna figure out how to work with you? Yeah. How, how does that work?
0: Yeah, so companies that work with us typically are at an inflection point with their revenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first inflection point that we see is their pre revenue, trying to get to the first dollar. The second inflection point we see is they have a few hundred thousand dollars of revenue, tens of thousands like that. They use their current network to get the initial revenues for their software company, their B2B company. Now they want to get to three million. Three million is like, oh, we have something. That's like a good benchmark. Okay. The third inflection we see is they're anywhere past three million, anywhere from three to hundred million. But what we've seen is there are certain inflection points where companies get stuck. Companies get stuck at 6, 10, 20, 50. I don't know why, just stalls. Okay. And so in any one of those inflection points, you need to revamp your go-to-market strategy. And we have a very straightforward format around this. It's a framework that has worked for me and now has worked over with over 250 companies that we've worked with. We follow three pillars uh, to revamp your go-to-market strategy. The first pillar is who is your ideal customer? What's your ideal customer profile? Everyone thinks they have one until they work with us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, We go very in-depth on exactly how to do it. And we've done this, I've done this at a 450 millionaire company at Marketo. uh, ICP was a big part of the transformation. Once you have that, the second pillar comes in. The second pillar is what's your manifesto? Every company has a manifesto, whether they realize it or not. It's their positioning, it's their messaging, it's their differentiation. What's the story you're telling the market so that compared to your competitors' And whether it's a direct competitor or just a spreadsheet you're competing with as a mm-hmm. SaaS company, mm-hmm. how do you differentiate? Okay. How do you drive urgency on deals? So that's the second pillar. You have your ICP and your manifesto. That is your revamped go-to-market strategy. The third pillar is execution. Most companies, when they, they might look at you, let's just say your direct competitor might look at you and say, oh, you know what? He's doing this YouTube thing. We should do YouTube. Oh, we should do TikTok too. Most companies are dabbling in a bunch of different channels or are scatterbrained. Okay. Our third pillar is what we call a Broadway show. A Broadway show is a consistent set of marketing and sales activities that you're running on key channels that's bringing the manifesto to your ICP on a consistent basis. So with all our clients, we teach them ICP, manifesto, Broadway show. We teach them how to revamp that, how to run those plays. We teach them what metrics to measure, how to iterate, and all the way down to we teach them who to hire to continue to scale those key channels and those key activities so they can get to the next stage of growth.
1: And let's talk about the practical application of the engagement with you and, and a CEO like that or a company like that. So. You know, am I, am I hiring TK? Am I hiring Unstoppable in the team? And then if so, like, you know, is it, is it fee-based? Like, what does the first year, second year, third year, like kind of the yeah. evolution of that partnership look like too? Yeah,
0: it's completely fee-based. Okay. And you work directly with me. Okay. I have an entire team that works behind the scenes, but we've structured it as an advisory program. So you work directly with me as the founder, CEO, and the CXO of the company. We require that the CEO is leading the effort. The reason we do that is when you're changing the trans the manifesto of the company or defining the manifesto of the company or you're switching around the ICP of the company, there are these strategic decisions that the CEO must own. And then we'll get leverage from the sales leader, the marketing leader, the ops leader, the finance leader, the co-founder, all of that. Uh, and so that's how we're structured. Uh, think of us as like a McKinsey, except we're four early stage SaaS companies.
1: Well, I like the fact that the, the folks get to work with you because ultimately they're coming because they like you already yep. or you know, think you know what you're talking about. So it's good to know that you're not then being handed off to somebody down the street that may still be competent and capable, but that's not
0: yeah. why they were there in the yeah, first place. Yeah, no, there's no ex-pizza boy that I trained as a coach that you're going to now work with. Yeah, yeah here, here, <laughs> here's what, the talk track. Here's yeah. what you say. Yeah, we're a very boutique firm because of that. And, and you, know, you might say 250 clients is a lot. So that does sound like uh, a lot to for me. For that, yeah. but because... We've seen so many plays of this. We know the pattern recognition that we get across different SaaS verticals, industry segments. We have companies that are product-led. We have companies that are sales-led. We have companies that are mid-market. We have companies that are enterprise. We have companies that are SMB. We have companies that are specifically in real estate tech or mm-hmm. prop tech or insurance tech. Because of that, we know the pattern recognition and see. the core principles It allows us to drive value at a completely different level.
1: Well, do you, is there a point, though, that you are just fully capped out where you're at capacity and can no longer take on additional clients? Or do, do, do you phase them out over time where effectively sort of they kind of outgrow the need for what you do?
0: Yeah, it's a, there's definitely uh, a life cycle and a journey for a customer. We hope that they stay with us for life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's our intention. We, are, we have always the next program, the next thing to unlock. I'll give you an example. Yeah. We have a number of CEOs that joined us when they were at a few, th- hundred, few hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. Now they're north of three, five million. They've raised the Series A. And they came to me and they said, hey, listen, this is great. Love it can I get my VP of sales and my VP of marketing into this training? So we're all speaking the same language. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So now their entire team is on our training on the go to market that they went through to be able to hire those people. Okay. I see. So we have that. Then they're like, Hey, listen, I was the founder trying to do everything. Now I have all this leverage. Um, what do I do now? (laughs) So we added another program. It's our platinum tier. This is our, the best of the best CEOs that we've worked with. That's gotten the best most success. We teach them how to go from being a founder to a CEO. I see. One of the things that I think I mentioned before is like, unless you're, if you're sub 15 people, there's nothing to chiefly execute over. You're just founder. That's it. But once you get 15 people, you get those leaders, then you're really trying to be a leader for this leadership team. So we have a tier for that. We teach you how to do those things. So it's our intention that we have a relationship for life. Uh, There's probably going to be a point where we say, my team always monitors this. We have a whole operations team behind the scenes monitoring. We have metrics on everything. We run our business like a SaaS company. So we have metrics on everything. We're looking at NPS scores. And so if there's ever a point where like, hey, we are not accepting any more members for the next month, we'll do that. We uh, cap the number of members we let in on a routine basis to make sure that we maintain the quality of people that are starting out. Absolutely. Uh, But the rule is very simple. You only work work directly with me. And so whatever it takes to maintain the quality of that, because we know that gets results, that's how we operate. Nice.
1: Well, and you're uh, one of those guys that I kind of look at and go, well, how does he find the time? Uh, I had somebody (laughs) ask me that the other day. I was, I just took a call. A kid was trying to build a startup out in California in the insurance space. And he's like, can I talk to you about, some stop loss insurance and some of your contacts i'm like sure and he was like how do you find time to do everything because i know you do the podcast i know you're svp over here and i'm just like i just do right i don't i don't have an answer for you but i find the time to do all these things but i reason i bring that up is because when you came here today and i wish i had the copy in my hand but you brought me a book (laughs) yeah um which you've written a book like uh, at the same time so like are you just working 15 18 hours a day and or like what is your what's your typical day look like
0: uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll am i give you the short answer and I'm happy to talk about my typical day, yeah. which is like, it's an, it's an interesting, uh, I don't work crazy hours. I, I think that, you know, the honest answer for me, and this may be true for you is we, we say no to a lot of things, mm-hmm. but certain things we have all the time in the world for okay. for me to spend a few hours, talk about what we're talking about and get to know each other and learn from each other. Uh, I have all the time in the world because this is within a set of things that are really important to me. I love it. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Like, I. Okay. <laughs> hey, we
1: got we got the book. Hey, Weston, <laughs> you want to zoom in on the book here? We've got uh, "How to Punch the Sunday Jitters in the Face" by TK Cater. I appreciate that. And is this, is this even out yet? Or yeah, so there's okay. a
0: secret link for it. So whenever this publishes, yeah. just go to unstoppable dot com slash book, and uh, you you'll get into the link. Very
1: cool. Well, so sorry yeah. right. we got interrupted on your thought process, right? But I mean, you're saying kind of the things that you make your make time for, right? And you yeah. have the time, all the time in the world for things that obviously are they derive value for you, but they help you build your brand. And I appreciate you saying that about this, but you know, talk to me that kind of the daily life of TK. What do you, what yeah. are you doing most well, days?
0: So like this is, we didn't plan this, but this is yeah. a very meta question where that's what the book is about. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the book is about, it's, the way the book came about is I worked with a lot of CEOs and they were getting success in their companies and they would come to me and say, hey, listen, like I'm having trouble keeping up with everything. And what I would teach them is, look, just the way we created an unstoppable strategy for your business mm-hmm. To be a founder, you have to have an unstoppable strategy for your life, right? So in a business, you're not gonna just show up and try and do everything. You're gonna have a strategy. And strategy ultimately is choosing what you say yes to and what you say no to. And a lot of times as leaders, not just founders, but just leaders, we forget that we have choices we're making implicitly. And so the book is about how do you create an unstoppable strategy on how you run your personal life? Because we know that better run leaders have better run businesses. And that's how the book came to be, and that's how I run my day. Um, There's things that, if it's within my specific goals and strategy, I have the most time for. If it's not, I say no a lot. That's good. Yeah, and I think that's the only way you can say yes to the things that really matter and not be running around. Because my greatest fear in life is to be neither here nor there. Mm. You know, the moment you know when you're like trying to like do a little bit of everything, but you kind of look back and you're like, I got nothing done whether it's in a year, a decade, or your life. Like, that's the worst place to be. Totally.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting point. It's something that I'm kind of getting at that precipice of needing to say no more. Cause I have this natural inclination to always want to help yeah. regardless of the circumstance. Like even if somebody's like, can we talk? And then I hope I can help them. But it's like those things are time suck sometimes. Right. And you obviously have your core priorities of things that need to be accomplished that serve your business, serve your career, serve your family, all those things that I'm reaching a point, And just, this is me sort of evaluating myself out loud, but reaching a point where there are things that I do know I'm going to have to start saying no to and be comfortable being able to tell people no right yeah you feel like you'll hurt their feelings or you know and or you have to have this long-winded answer as to prove why you said no and sometimes you can just say no and it's it's okay right
0: yeah well i think like you sometimes have to pick between so one of the things in the book is what's your five-year vision so we have this pyramid that we teach for having unstoppable framework in your life at the tip is your five-year vision who you want to become and Mm -hmm. why why do you do what you do the thing right b- below that is once you have your five-year vision, you have your one-year goals. What are the goals you want to accomplish across five key areas of your life uh, over the course of the next 365 days? Kay. And everyone thinks a year is a long time. It's, it's 365 days, 278 working days. So it goes by real fast. Mm-hmm. Then below that, we say, cool, you have your five-year vision. Who do you want to become? You have your one-year goals. Where do you want? How are you going to get closer to who you want to become? What do you want to get done this month? What are the things you want to focus mm-hmm. on? That's the third pillar. Right below that, you have, what do I want to get done this week? Where am I? What do I do next? And then what do I want to do today? That's the pyramid. And sometimes it's really hard to say no to someone right in front of you. Yeah. But what you don't realize is every single time you're saying yes, when you should have said no, because you want to make that feel, person feel sad, you are letting down you from five years from now. Yeah, that's true. So who, do you ra- who would you rather let down? I would not want to, and a lot of times people don't know; they're not aware of that person five years from now. They're not; they don't know what they look like, what it feels like. They like they don't even know who they're letting down. They're not thinking about mm-hmm. that person. But if you're making decisions today, and next week, and the month, and the year on who you want to be five years from now. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to make a very different set of decisions at every single moment.
1: Yeah, you're talking about like some kind of deep behavioral psychology. Like I've heard it said, like, why why do people smoke cigarettes, right? Or why do people eat bad food today? It's because there's an immediate reward. There's an immediate feedback, even if it's ephemeral. It's a short-lived feedback. Because today, Spencer gets the positive reinforcement from whatever drug or thing. But it's that person, like you said, you know, the, the time horizon that I've heard you know, suggested is most people can't um, envision themselves 10 years from now. Right. The person they are 10. You use five, it's kind of the same difference at that point. But it's the ability to reflect on the future self and make decisions today that serve that future self rather than the immediate reward system, which, you know, we're inundated with things like that on social media and like everything is sort of geared towards immediate reward, uh, instant gratification over long-term gratification. So you kind of positioning that in a way to how to build yourself and build your business by having that five-year vision of who you want to be and being intentional about
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. This connects with, you know, with our CEOs and leaders that we work with we're helping them revamp their go-to-market strategy and driving the growth of their companies w- with a strategy so that they can execute. And a lot of that is saying no to things. Mm-hmm. When we do ICP work, ideal customer profile work, a lot of the strategic discussions I have with the founders and the leaders is, who are we gonna say no to? Because you can't, you don't have enough marketing and sales resources to go after all of these. And the more diluted the ICP, the more diluted the message, the less effective it is. So, so it's a lot of saying no, so you can say yes and grow faster. Mm. Same principle applies to your life. And this is the crazy thing. We think that if our clients are saying no to the non-essentials in their personal life, they're better leaders. If they're saying no to the non-essentials in their business, they have better businesses. Crazy things are gonna happen at that point. Yeah. For this cohort of 250 clients to a thousand, we're gonna get to a thousand clients soon enough that they're, they're doing both of these and that's going to be pretty cool to see.
1: Well, and it's, it's, it's really fascinating to me and I want to spend a couple moments on this that YouTube is the way that you've built this, right? And so can you talk to me about kind of your process if I've got an idea um, I being UTK TK have an idea about this is what I want this video to be about. Yeah Talk to me about the logistics of mapping it out getting ready to shoot upon it the post-production because this is really The vehicle in which you attract or lure in yeah. a new prospects. Yeah. So yeah. I know you spend some time on that So could you kind of share with me a little bit of your process and how you do that?
0: Yeah Uh, so if I were to break it down to three things every YouTube video we do is like hey, here's three things you need to know about X Okay, like that's what we do um and you would be amazed. Our videos are anywhere from 12 minutes to 30 minutes, depending on how, how complicated the three things are. Uh, you would be amazed how much time goes into creating a 12-minute video.
1: I, well, I personally wouldn't be amazed because I've tried to do it, and it yeah. takes a lot of time. But so for the people that don't do it, kind of tell me what that would look like. Yes, yeah, so
0: we have an entire day dedicated to okay. scripting, filming, research, to figure out, like, how do we get this right? Um, so a lot of the work really goes in before we even turn on the record button. Um, so for example, if you know, one of our most successful videos on our channel is uh, the six steps to building a go-to-market strategy for your SaaS business to drive growth. Simple, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are the six steps, right? And how do you make it where people feel like they can do something with it? They don't tune out. How do you make it interesting? And for me, what I found is you got to make the steps actionable, And you have to deliver it in what I call like all the marketing that I do and all the way I communicate, all the way I teach founders to communicate what they do in the market is what I call the hey man message. So it's very easy to get fancy and show how smart you are. Mm -hmm. But that's not the goal. The goal is if you are sitting across from a friend and he's like, hey, dude, like how do we do this? You're like, listen, dude, like the only, all you really need to know is like, just do this, 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 that's what I call the hey man. The hey man, I love it. (laughs) So like, you know, if I were to ask you like, what is, what is your company doing? You're like, well, we are a SaaS platform for blah, 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 and blah in this space. And you're like, make all these fancy words. It's like, okay, got it. Now let's just assume you are a newly hired SDR in your company and you are at a happy hour on the third day of an industry event mm-hmm. in a noisy venue, three drinks in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what does the SDR say to your best prospect at that conference? How do they describe you? Yeah, yeah. That's the Heyman That's version. That's the Heyman version. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and hopefully you've armed them with it, okay. that Heyman version. And the Heyman version is usually simpler words, shorter words, few sentences. And it's just like, hey man, like, you know how like, it's really hard to generate pipeline? Uh, yeah, the, way, the reason it's so hard is because no one really has a go-to-market strategy. They're just trying their best. So here's the three things you need to know on how to build a go-to-market strategy. Brilliant. Right? So that's what we're trying to get to. Well,
1: that makes sense. There's a, a guy, you know, Alex Hormozzi. Uh, I love Alex Harmozie. He's amazing, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Probably one of the most standout accounts I've seen in the last year on Instagram. But he also yeah. backs up what he talks about. And he's, he's clearly absolutely genius. But the, he talks about the language that you use in videos. Right. Most people want to prove how smart they are. He also says the average person somewhat reads around a fifth or eighth grade level, right? Yeah. So if you're not using language that the average person could understand, all you're doing is serving your own ego by using really big words. You're not being an effective communicator because you've you've taken most of your core potential audience out of the frame because now they go, well, I don't know that word and this guy's not talking to me because <laughs> I don't understand it. It was a really interesting epiphany that I had watching him because he's, like I said, guy's a genius, obviously. Yeah. But the language he uses intentionally more layman style terms because that's what he wants. He wants to appeal to a much broader audience. It's
0: smart, it's yeah. really smart. Yeah, it's really smart. What, what I, I, and I love Alex Hormozzi. I think it's incredible what he's done over the last few years, not even like probably like 18 months. So, and he embodies that. Like he breaks it. He, he embodies that. Hey man, like here's what you really need Mm -hmm. to know. What I've learned about this is, you know, even with YouTube and what we do, that level of simplicity only comes after mastery. Mm. And so it's simple is a very deceiving thing. Simple does not mean it's easy. Right. Like I'll be telling you like, Hey, you need to revamp your positioning and your messaging. It sounds pretty simple. It's like, yeah, got it. It's like, here's a value prop structure you can follow. Right. Simple, but not easy. Mm. Uh, that level of simplicity where you can break it down into six steps, requires for you or the person that's communicating it to really master the topic. Because only when you mastered a topic, you can then say, this matters, this matters, this doesn't matter, this is the most essential thing, so let me now break it down to the three things you really need to know. Mm. That's the pro tip.
1: And that's why it takes a day to shoot your videos, right? That's because right. it is taking a very complex subject and distilling it down to something that's simple to understand. So yeah. as you, you, when you say we, I guess you have somebody that you partner with. Is it somebody at the, the company that you're working with on these videos? Yeah,
0: we have a full-time of, video producer. Full-time video thing. producer. Yeah. So,
1: so you're brainstorming, you're whiteboarding, you're coming up with the three things, you're coming up with the language, you're blocking probably the different shots and things like that. But you did say you're a one-take shop we're right. one-take shop so what tell me what that means though so for the yeah. audience is listening here the, as
0: well. you know so we we're also obviously very principles driven and so everything that we do is measure twice cut once that's one of our principles and so if we have done the research and we've scripted it and we've sketched it out and we laid it out and we know these are the things and this is like the in, like one of my signature things on my channel uh, I think I'm the only person that does this because I'm <laughs> like is the index cards yes. every single concept I have like an index card for it and I show the index card and uh what you put on that index card hours go into thinking about what is the thing that goes into that one index card. There's only three. So what are the three things? And how do you, what, is it big text or is it three bullet points? So that's our process around measure twice, cut once. Yeah. Once you have that, then it's like, look, we've done all the work. Turn on the record button and go. Yeah. Don't rethink it. Don't overthink it. Just go. Well,
1: that's why I, I have some acting training in my background, and we would do these, like, really intensive scene study where it was, like, you get a three-page scene with a partner and you, you workshop it, you try to learn your lines and all that stuff, but there's, like, 12 steps that we would follow into breaking down a scene about what the character's thinking, what's the subtext, you know, what's the inner monologue, all these things, but the last step of that 12-step program, it sounds like it's an A, it's, but it, the 12-step acting <laughs> program, is uh, you leave it all alone you literally forget it. You've done all the work. Yeah. And now it's time to go actually, you know, actually perform. Yeah. Um, but you have to remember because in, then if you're going through all those things in your head, like actually, con- you know, I would say consciously doing it, you take yourself out of the scene. So the kind of same thing you're saying is like, we did all the work. Now I just have to actually capture it. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I, what you said is very important also. Like the moment you find yourself trying to memorize something, mm-hmm. it's going to be bad. It's done. Yep. You, you, it's almost like you have to look past the script to the essence of it, download the outline into your head. Cause you should know this stuff anyway, Mm -hmm. because you've done it and Mm -hmm. lived it. Then you're like, okay, got it. And then you just go do this thing. Just do the thing. Don't try to remember like, how did I phrase it in that? Then, then, you know, it's going to be a shitty video.
1: Yeah. But you can also see in somebody's eyes, almost they're, they're trying to like search their brain for (laughs) the word that they're looking for because they remember they memorize it a certain way. And like you said, it takes the viewer out of it. It's really, these are subtleties, right? Of, of watching somebody do something that you don't really understand what all goes into that performance to make a good video. And like I said, I was tooting your horn to to Nathan and, and Weston, your, your, channel is awesome. Like, Thank you. and the quality is evident, but it's also evident, right? Because you believe that this is what you need to do to drive business your way. So you approach it with a professionalism that is required to have a channel that stands out and does well. Yeah. A lot of people, like you were saying earlier, where folks come in and like, oh, I'm the CEO of X. Well, if you printed a business card and maybe set up an LLC, you're, you are technically the CEO <laughs> of X, but what does that really mean? You actually have the substance behind it. So you walk the walk simultaneously. And so that's how again you stood out to me and that's why, you know, obviously wanted to invite you on. Yeah. Um, you. so where do where does your business kind of go from here? You talked about possibly getting to a thousand clients. Um, does this business morph over time? Does it sunset over time and maybe you move to something different? What's your five year plan if you're looking out from Yeah.
0: People? Yeah, we have a we have a super secret master plan for okay. Unstoppable. Okay. Uh step one is uh educate people on how to build incredible SaaS companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, step two is empower them so they can implement those things very effectively. Uh, and step three is fund the best of them. Hmm. That's it. That's right. all we do. Yeah. Uh, I believe that the opportunity around enterprise software, software as a service, B2B software, is we're just in the early stages of it. And more and more people with the domain knowledge are building their own software platforms. And... If they are in that journey where they're like, hey, do I quit the job and do I start that company because I have this domain knowledge? I think there's software that can solve this problem. Go watch the YouTube channel. We have a ton of episodes around that. If you are in it and you're trying to figure out how to get those initial revenues and really get the go-to-market right, go watch the channel. There's tons of videos on that. Mm -hmm. If you're in it and you have a few hundred thousand dollars in revenues, but you just don't know how you're going to get to 3 million. You've tapped out your existing network, the referrals. That's how you got your initial revenues. And you're like, we actually need a proper go to market strategy. Go watch the channel. Yeah, There's yeah. tons of videos on there. that. Uh, if you're at that point where you're at six million, ten million, twenty million, 20 million, and your stock flatline happens to the best of us, go watch the channel. There's case studies on how we've turned around companies and exited them for north of a hundred million for that. Yeah. Um, so, for all these businesses there's different inflection points and challenges all around one thing and that's how do i just get more pipeline Mm -hmm. how do i revamp my go-to-market so watch the channel and what we hope is you binge watch 10 20 hours of our completely free content i hope you make money off of that i hope you truly like get success out of that And then you come to us and work in a deeper way because you want to be part of Unstoppable.
1: Well, and that's really when you talk about the current state of how do you attract attention, right? Or how do you actually get on people's radar? What is the kind of the... 2022 best way to um, use social media and use platforms like YouTube in order to draw attention, it's giving away free value. It's truly giving away useful value, right? And not these kind of gotcha funnels where you're driving somebody through a click funnel to ultimately sign subscribe to some sort of, you know, mastermind. It's, you are truly giving away hundreds of hours of free value. And eventually you believe that the right people will come to you. Right. And so yes. just kind of, that's a, an important lesson. I think broadly speaking, whether you're in SAS or insurance or real estate is what sort of free value can you offer the market where eventually the people that have ingested that and used it for their, their benefit now come to you to really engage with. And those are the people you probably filter out the people that you don't want to work with because they can't get through a couple of videos as well. Right. Yeah. They're, it's <laughs> like, you haven't watched anything yet like how do i even know if i want to work with you right yeah does it you ever take on clients that just it's a referral and next thing you know they become a client or do you usually run them through that uh, channel first we
0: don't do much convincing like my team meets with ceos and founders when they want to be part of our programs we don't do much convincing yeah those calls are like you have to apply to work with us and the reason we do that is like look if you're hoping to come on a call and we're like gonna pitch you Mm -hmm. You are never going to believe us, nor should you. Mm-hmm. You should go watch the free stuff. And then if you trust us, then you should join us. Yeah. Otherwise, it's cool. Yeah. I'm not even charging you for, for that. So that's how we approach it. And, and you know, going off the free value thing, I think, like, I think that's true. I think it, you want to give people value and then they'll trust you. I think that even that has gotten misconstrued. Okay. I think like, what I, like, just care. If you can show your potential customers like you actually care, you literally want them to be successful, you really care. If you can show that on a video, on a piece of content, on your messaging, on the way you're approaching your prospective customers, that is going to be something no one else can compete with. Because Mm. the truth is 99% of people in the market don't care. They don't actually care about their clients. They don't actually care about the business they're building. They just don't, which is great for us that actually care Fair enough. because yeah. you can compete in a unparalleled level. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like we've had a lot of CEOs, uh, you know, we always ask, like we, we check for NPS scores. We have world-class NPS scores. We always ask like, why'd you join us? Like, why'd you, why'd you do this? And they're like, we, there's so many other people talking about SaaS, but like, it's like the fat trainer. They <laughs> haven't done it. <laughs> and, and then there are other people, that, and this sticks out a lot, they're like, I don't know, it just seems like you actually care about this. Like, I'm like, no, I do. Wait, mm-hmm. Is that not default? Is, is it not default that you care about what you're doing? Yeah. It's not, it turns out. And I think like value can be faked. Maybe you're giving value, maybe you're not. But man, if you really care about the success of the people you're looking to serve, you will be dominating anything that you're trying to do. Well, I would agree with you, man.
1: And so why don't we wrap it up here then? And this has been uh, even better than I expected, man. I really appreciate your thank you. time. Yeah, thank your you so much. Your questions are
0: amazing. Well, so.
1: I try to do my best, right? That's my job in this in this environment is to ask good questions if possible. So why don't you leave us with closing thoughts, right? I mean, we talked, we covered quite a bit in the, the hour or so, but kind of call to action or just simply just a closing thoughts, whatever you want the audience to hear from you. Yeah,
0: no, uh, I think that, uh, first of all, thank you for having me in this very inspiring space. It's, uh, yeah. it's really cool. Thank you for the very thoughtful questions. My pleasure. Uh, if, uh, you know, if you're know if you listening and you are an aspiring SaaS founder, you want to start a SaaS business, go watch the channel. If you are running a SaaS business and you want to grow faster, go watch the channel. Uh, just go to getunstoppable.com for that, and all the details will be there uh, for all of our programs. If you want to go watch the channel, go to getunstoppable.com slash YouTube. And if you want a copy of my second edition of the book, where you actually build out that personal unstoppable strategy for your life so you can run a high performance. Just go to getunstoppable.com slash book.
1: Cool, awesome, That's man. It. And I'll definitely make sure to link all of that as yeah. well because I'll, I want to definitely drive people your direction. But like I said earlier, really appreciate your time. Thank you for the leap of faith in joining me on the podcast. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and uh, look forward to doing it again soon.
0: Absolutely, thank Thanks, you.
1: Man. my pleasure.